scripture comes from Isaiah chapter 42, verses 1 through 4. Behold my servant whom I behold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be discouraged till he has established justice in this earth. And the coastlands wait for his law. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, it's good to be here with you all in person. Um, Tim asked me a few weeks ago to preach, and usually there's a, a topic or um, whatever is on your heart, so you kind of pray about it. So I asked him, what, what do you want me to preach about? And he said, whatever text has been on your heart. And that was an easy, easy answer, because there's one text, literally, this is a text that I've gone back to and back to and back to um, for this last you know, six months or so. So Isaiah is speaking to the people of Israel, and uh, they are in exile. Life is chaotic, and there probably isn't much reason for hope. So I want to begin where Isaiah begins this, this, uh, this evening, and uh, he says, Behold. So I'm going to start with this question, and I'm going to end with this, and this is actually the application for um, this text tonight. Who are you beholding? Or maybe, um, who is your vision? Who are you looking to for hope, security, and peace? Now, the churchy response is to look at your neighbor, and if they're vaccinated, you give them a high five, say, Jesus, hooray, let's go get Chick-fil-A after church. It's Saturday, not Sunday today. <laughs> but I want us to be more honest uh, tonight. And uh, I'm a pastor in training here. Uh, I'm a seminarian, so I'm taking some classes when I'm able to stay up at night. And uh, I'm studying biblical, sound biblical theology. But most often, my heart and my soul, the way I answer that question is not the Jesus of Scripture, not the Jesus of Isaiah 42. So who or what are you beholding tonight? And I want you to ask yourself that over and over again in the coming days. And because what we behold, it actually matters for our lives. It impacts how we view ourselves and how we view our neighbors and how we view the world and what's happening around us. I had some dark days this last year. Like some dark, dark days. I'm not kidding you. Um, around October, I couldn't stomach seminary anymore. I just couldn't do it. I struggled to pray, and I was struggling to have hope. I'm not just saying that. Um, I was teaching. I'm teaching in one of the more impoverished neighborhoods in Los Angeles, and my job has never been so hard. Usually, there's a body full of people, and you can teach. And yeah, there's disruptions, things like that. But I mean, we were struggling to get people to turn their laptops. They, they might not have had internet, and so my job just became increasingly hard. Um, 
In October, one of my colleagues that I worked with for years and years died by suicide. And what do you say to that? And where's the hope in that? This was a guy I prayed for, and he, was, he, was, he seemed like he was doing so much better. And you wake up one day and get that news. Um, COVID devastated the community where I teach. I mean, seriously, week after week, it was another family down. And it wasn't just like, you know, like mom or dad got it and everyone isolated. They were, they were all in the room together. And uh, one of my students, his 43-year-old mom died of COVID. And here I am sitting in my living room, comfortable in South Pasadena on my laptop with my family, seeing all this happen, and there's nothing I could do about it. And I have to be honest, like my hope was not in the Jesus of Isaiah 42. My hope was in the Jesus of my own mind and heart, what I wanted Jesus to do and what I wanted him to be, what I wanted the world to be like. But my circumstances, that's what I was beholding. The devastation, the loss, that's what I was looking at. And it wasn't until December I came across Isaiah 42. I don't even know why or how, probably going through looking for answers on a seminary question. And boom, those words hit me. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street or bruise reed. He will not break. And the fog began to lift. And I'm not here to tell you the fog went away, that all of a sudden I got motivated and had all this hope and I was ready to sing with my hands raised up. No, not at all. Like it's been a struggle, but this is the passage I keep coming back to and this is where my hope is. And I hope that as we assess today, what are we beholding, what are we looking at, that we'll find hope in and the God of Isaiah 42. And so I want us to assess our vision tonight and redirect our vision to the mighty, yet gentle God who faithfully brings forth justice. So with that, let me just quickly pray for us. Father, you're the maker of the heavens and the earth. And you reign right now in the heavenly places And you are victorious, but it's so hard to see. Would you open our eyes to see and open our ears to hear? And may we behold the servant Isaiah is discussing here. Behold you, and not the Jesus of our imagination or not the God of our imagination. Please do that work by your spirit, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. So I'm literally going to walk you through these verses. I don't have any magic secret sauce. I'm literally just going to make a few subpoints, And each one of these subpoints, eventually, hopefully one day I can do a sermon series on them. But I'm just going to give you a sentence or two about each. And I hope by the end of this, you find some hope, you find some encouragement, but that you're, you're, you're beholding the Jesus of Isaiah 42. All right, so um, it starts off in, in verse 1. Behold my servant whom I uphold. Behold my servant. I don't, I don't look around and see too many people in power or authority or public servants that we swear in who actually serve. But the God of the Bible, he came not to, not to be served, but to serve and give his life for ransom. My chosen in whom my soul delights. 
not only is he a God to be feared, but he's delighted in. I think that's so important for us because he brings us joy. He's a servant who brings joy. I remember when I started teaching, um, a lot of the veterans said, hey, I don't want you to smile for at least six months. Now, I'm a smiley person. I like to have fun. I don't, I don't, I don't know. So I bought into it, and I was like, all right, I'm going to be very serious. I'm not going to smile. I'm going to be really firm and tell these kids, you know, what they need to know. And it completely backfired on me. Carrie came to my class before we were dating, before we were just friends, and it was like I turn around, and kids are throwing stuff across the room, and one of them asked her out for me. Even It was crazy. But it completely backfired on me. And I realized that if people aren't delighting in the setting in the classroom, they're not having an enjoyable time, learning's not going to happen. And so... Um, I think that's the beautiful thing. Our God is one to fear, but he's one that's delightful for our joy. Um, he, I, will, I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. To the nations, it's everyone. Every tribe, tongue, and nation. Our God brings justice for everyone. And I know it's hard to see, especially when we're steeped in American evangelicalism or uh, in, in just our reality of South Pasadena or San Gabriel Valley, but he's a God who brings justice for everyone. And that's encouraging. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. We've heard a lot of people making noise in the streets, and for good reason. Because that's not how our God does it. I recently read, the, read about the Arcadia homelessness debate. Have you guys heard about that? The LA Times article said a caravan of BMWs, Teslas, and Mercedes broke the tranquility of the um, furnished lawns in San Gabriel. People were yelling in the streets, arguing. Some people here wanted to build tiny homes for the homeless, and they thought this would be a good solution because they think they deserve it and it's going to help them get off their feet. Other people were saying, no. We are the guardians of our neighborhood. We're not going to do this. And they, they were at conflict. And, and the people supporting the housing were little kids, mostly high school kids. And uh, I don't know the outcome of it. But yelling in the streets, yelling in the streets. And you know what? Someone's going to be upset. Regardless of what they vote on, regardless of what happens. And so it says that, He will bring forth justice. Like, his justice is sure, it's certain. I was thinking about uh, that Arcadia situation, but then uh, some of you like Lin-Manuel Miranda. He, he recently came out with this televised version of in, in the Heights. And In the Heights takes place in Washington Heights. It's a Dominican neighborhood. And people were outraged because Lin-Manuel, he, uh, he didn't represent the community accurately. Uh, there, there were light-skinned um, lead actors and actresses, and people felt it misrepresented their community. And so um, he had an apology, and then people were going back and forth in the media. But I, I just think it's, it's such a picture of justice on earth. <laughs> Even our best efforts. We're talking about Lin-Manuel, who you know, got all the, the glory for Hamilton. Even he's falling short. But our God, his justice will, it, it will happen. And if you, if you don't believe it, look to Jesus, because his justice doesn't look like what we think justice looks like. It looks like death. It looks like hopelessness, but we look to the resurrection and know that he, he lives. And, you know, there, there were days this year where I just felt 
super disconnected. But then I get a knock on the door, and it's Dave Tickner with some brownies from Christie. <laughs> I got some letters from uh, the Wongs just encouraging us. And, and that's how I know that justice is coming and it's happening. Like people who don't, have no reason to care for me are caring for me. And, and that's happening in our community, but it's happening across the world. Like Jesus is alive and he's moving, he's working, he's working through, through you. The next thing is he carries out his judgment. He carries out justice so gently with such care. And I think that's such the opposite of the earth, earthly ju- justice that we seek. Earthly justice leads to more injustice, I feel like. Someone um, gets some justice, but then there's someone else who's left out of it. And that's not the case with our God. Uh, verse 3 is so powerful. A bruised reed he will not break, and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. And his justice is for the weak and the needy. It's for the homeless people in Los Angeles and Arcadia. And so when I read that, that's really encouraging because I know that these situations that seem so hopeless and there's nothing I can do, I know that God cares for them. Yeah, I recently started gardening like a lot of you. Um, I got a couple of jalapeno plants and a tomato plant. And... Uh, a reed is super thin, but I had a jalapeno plant, which I'm told can't, you, can't, you can't kill it. Like, you're going to get jalapenos no matter what. So they're like, Don't, you can plant it wherever you want. And um, my, my, my son throws a basketball, a little soft basketball, breaks the, um, breaks the jalapeno plant. So it's just hanging there. It's like a bruised jalapeno plant, not a reed. So I was like, I think I, think I could take care of this. I think I can bring it back to life. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to water it. I'm going to take care of it. So I propped it up. And I was thinking it's going to, like, grow back together. So I'm watering it one day, and it breaks. The whole thing comes off. And uh, it's just such a picture for, like, our best efforts, you know? We can try and try and try, but I broke the jalapeno plant. <laughs> and so when you read a bruised reed, he will not break, hey, that's remarkable. This thin, needy, weak, little reed, he's going to care for it in a way that's not going to break it. Now, again, I think of other people oftentimes when I read this, but as I reflected on this last year and as I've asked myself, what are you beholding, Jordan? What are you looking at? I've realized something. Maybe you have too. Have you guys noticed what happens when you look to yourself or others for hope, security, comfort, justice? We crush it, and not in a good way. We crush it. We break it. I like to think I'm like one of the Mexican palms in South Pass, and I sway here and there, but I'm unbreakable, or that I'm an American oak, but now I'm a Bruce Reed. You know, I endlessly I, I justify myself, and I think that I'm in control. I look at others and compare myself to make myself feel better. And most of the time, it just makes things worse. Um, most of us also have, like, there, there's those bruises, right? There's this sin and, and things like that. But we have some deeper bruises too, don't we? These are the ones that we don't like to talk about. And they bring us a lot of shame. And so it's easier to point at other people that we think are weaker and needier. 
But the reality is, um, everyone has every one of us has bruises, and if you don't realize it yet, you will one day realize that. Maybe you've been the victim of abuse. And you struggle to feel the dignity and worth that was taken away from you. Maybe you have an addiction that you hide and no one knows about. And you want to stop, but you can't. And it's the only thing that will get you through the day. Maybe you're in a marriage and on paper and in person it looks good. But there's no connection there. There's no intimacy. And for, for years and years now you've been unhappy. You feel alone, stuck, and unwanted. Or maybe you're not married and thought you would be. It ended early, earlier than you hoped. Or maybe it never happened. And you feel alone, stuck, and unwanted. Maybe it's your work, your educational attainment, and, and you're, you're a slave to your work. You're a workaholic. And you work, 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 work. And as it's going well, you're doing well. But when it doesn't go well, you're an absolute mess. And if you're like me, you can probably relate to each one of these bullet points in some way, shape, or form. And this is where the enemy pounds us, doesn't, doesn't he? You're not worthy. You're broken. You're past usefulness. You're beyond repair. You better keep trying. You better keep working. Stay out of the way. You better not let anyone else know you. If they, if they knew your secret, you'd be in trouble. You'd be cast out. And then we lose hope. Well, Matthew 12, Jesus is, uh, it's Sabbath, and there's a man with a withered hand. And, and, and that day, he was, like, he was an outcast. Uh, people associated his withered hand, his illness, with uh, his sin. And they're, they're curious, like, is Jesus going to heal him on the Sabbath or not? So uh, Jesus tells them, which one of you who has sheep, if it falls in a pit on the Sabbath, they wouldn't lift it out of the pit. And he says, of how much more value is a man than a sheep? The Pharisees were upset and wanted to kill him. And this is what Matthew writes. Jesus, aware of this, withdrew from there, and many followed him, and he healed them all and ordered them not to make him known. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Behold, my servant whom I've chosen, my beloved with whom my soul is well pleased, I will put my spirit upon him, and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel or cry aloud, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break. A smoldering wick he will not quench until he brings justice to victory. And in his name, the Gentiles will hope. God loves the bruised reeds. Bruised reeds of how much value are you to our God. And he addresses the injustice by subjecting himself to it. To address homelessness, he became homeless. He became poor. He was bruised and beaten in our place. And a few chapters later in Isaiah, he writes, the servant of God grew up before him like a young plant, like a root out of dry ground. And he says, it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He was crushed so we didn't have to be. 
And then Isaiah 53, he writes, out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. So Bruce reads, talking to him, talking to me, he's pleasing us because of the work of Jesus. Jesus paid the price that we couldn't. And now, whatever is causing you shame, discouragement, weariness, or pain, you can be assured that he will not break you because he was broken for you. So I want to end by asking the question we began with. Who or what are you beholding? What is your vision? What are you looking at? Are you looking at some false idea of who Jesus is or who you think Jesus should be? Are you looking at the risen, victorious Jesus who is gentle and kind and will not break the bruised reed? So I was uh, reading, I prepared this little outline, and then I was reading Richard Sibbs. He's a Puritan preacher. He wrote a book called A Bruised Reed. And it's always encouraging when you read the, the people who've gone before us and they say similar thing. And uh, he also encourages his readers to ask yourself the question, what are you beholding? And he says it much more eloquently than I will. So I'll read what he says and then uh, to conclude. Let us make use of this mercy and power of his every day in our daily combat. Lord Jesus, thou hast promised not to quench the smoking flax, nor to break the bruised reed. Cherish thy grace in me. Leave me not to myself. The glory shall be thine. Let us not allow Satan to transform Christ to us, to make him other than he is to those that are his. Christ will not leave us till he has made us like himself, all glorious within and without, and presented us blameless before his Father. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you care for the bruised and the broken. We can be confident that you won't break us. We could be confident that the weakest in our society will not be broken, that you are looking out for them and you care for them. But we struggle to believe. I struggle to believe so often. So by your spirit, would you help us to believe and behold the servant Jesus? May we be reminded over and over and over again, and may we remind ourselves that bruised reed will not be broken because you were bruised and broken for us. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.